Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, good morning, gardeners. Lovely day. Man, this is this is actually looking like Texas fall weather. I mean, we're not too cold, um, but we're not hot. There's some rain in the forecast. Probably had some rain last week. I got an inch over the week. Um, this is fall. This is this is fall in Texas, and the rest of this week looks amazing. You know, mid 70s uh, during the day, mid 50s at night. Man, that's garden weather. That's everything in the garden going absolutely crazy because the temperatures are perfect for them. Now, those of you who have considered uh, seed starting spinach, you probably will have more success now than you would have, say, two or three weeks ago. Because spinach does best when the soil temperature <clears throat> is cooler. And it's definitely cooler now. So if you haven't and you want it, this is probably when you should get spinach going. All of the other winter crops from carrots and beets to broccoli and kale, go for it. The carrots and beets, seed them away. The broccoli, the kale, you want to cut a corner, go get yourself some starts. This is really a good time for those crops. Now, I still have tomatoes. I didn't cover them. And I got cold enough. But I got tomatoes on the vine, and I'm hoping they'll turn red. If they don't, I'm just going to pick them and put them in a... A container in the house, probably a paper bag. I got peppers. I got really good looking big bell peppers right now. I'm hoping they will turn red on the vine. That would be fantastic because they'll be nice and crisp and sweet. I've got quite a few of them. The temperatures are perfect for them right now. I'm going to have a week of really good weather to help them uh, redden up for me. But your leafy greens, uh, root crops, go for it. This is this is going to be a great week. Now I got to remind you, by the book, the first of December is generally, our first frost. That's in downtown central Austin. Some of you may have already had it. Will we have more frosts? Don't know. Are we looking at a wet winter or bursts of really cold weather? Who knows yet? They're trying to do what they can to uh, 
get some kind of reading on what the weather's going to do. But we're, you know, we've got a week till next weekend, and it looks really good. It looks really good. Now, I'm just hoping that we don't go from, wow, this is really nice fall to son of a gun, all the plants are frozen solid. That was horrid. The, the ice storm was terrible. And if it wasn't the ice storm, the frost was terrible. Just can't win. I got stuff blooming. Um, my pears and my plums finally stopped blooming. I didn't think that the blooms were real blooms by any means, and they just fell off. That happens. It's not a problem for the tree. My bur oak has not got a single green leaf on it. Nope. They have turned brown, and uh, with every breeze, another leaf falls off. So I'm hoping to have a naked tree here before too long. That is something right now that would be a good thing to look at. As we get colder, and as your, especially fruit trees, as your fruit trees go dormant, they drop all their leaves, you can start looking at seriously pruning them. <clears throat> you don't have to do it the minute they drop their leaves. They will be dormant for a while, but you want to wait till they are dormant before you do any serious trimming. You don't want to accidentally encourage them to put on new growth with our statistical freezes coming soon. That's not good for the plant. But they're looking pretty good. I'm impressed that my crepe myrtles, which looked horrid, absolutely terrible at the end of summer and the heat, they look fantastic. I'm even getting some bloom out of them. But they're not going to be much longer for this world either. They're going to be dropping all their leaves in no time at all. That is not a bad time to do your trimming. Wait until they're dormant and then trim as appropriate and do not do crepe murder. Trim them. Don't shear them. Don't cut them into short little stubs. That is very hard on the plant. And it doesn't produce the results that you want. So, crepe myrtles are still doing well. Let's not crepe murder them this year, okay? <clears throat> Let them be, branch them out, trim out just what you need to remove. And we'll have great, great yield next year with lots of new green leaves and blooms. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Uh, I need to take a break. We'll be right back. 
This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Let's go to the phone. This is John. John, what can I help you with? Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Yeah, I just wanted to appreciate you for, for saying what you did about the crepe myrtles. I know uh, the city of Cedar Park, they do that every year. They come and just pop these things. It's terrible for the plant. Just a word of advice for listeners, if it's not pointing towards the ground, it's not an obstruction, don't prune it. Yeah, that's true. Same as the... Uh, and- same as the pruning for the trees and the canopies. If it's not, if it's not, if it's pointing towards the sky, let it be. If it's going to the ground, cut it to the knee. Uh, that's that's a cool saying. You know, <clears throat> it is frustrating because there is plenty of horticultural places. There are plenty of forestry places. And they will tell you, stop doing the crepe murder. And they've been saying this for years and years and years, and you still have the problem. It's like, do you do you guys not well, they, stay current? They say that it uh, helps pr- pr- promote growth and all this stuff. I think it looks terrible. And if, if you just think of it over overall scheme, there's no way it can be healthy to the tree. And it isn't. Uh, A&M's got a nicely written paper about, hey, when you do this, here's what's happening. And it's not good. And besides, why do they have to prune them anyway? Most, I don't remember the last time I pruned a crepe myrtle. I just have, I've got like 10 of them. And... I only trimmed one crepe myrtle because it blocked a view. So I cut it down a little bit so I could see what's going on in my Purple Martin house. And that was such pain in the backside and made it look terrible that I moved the Purple Martin house instead. So I'm back to not having to prune any of my crepe myrtles. And you know what? They bloom. They look great they fill out like they're supposed to isn't that how it's supposed to be well yeah and that the cedar i volunteered cedar city of cedar park years and years back and they used to do it to the town hall and all that stuff every year they would cut it about eight feet and the reason they would tell me they were doing it is because it promoted extra growth and i, I told the guy i said well just think about it if you're cutting 10 feet off a tree how is that positively promoting growth? You're losing 10 feet. So uh, he didn't have an argument for that. Yeah, Um, that's interesting. Um, I know some folks at Cedar Park too, and I may have to send them a note and ask them why they're doing this. Um, It sounds like somebody just wants to play with their chainsaw. Yeah, and it's just it's a big mess and unnecessary cleanups and waste of time, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't look good. 
I get it, John, and it's really frustrating. And you would think by now they would stop. They would stop doing so. But guess not. It's just an embedded thing that we can't get out of our mindset on what to do with crepe myrtles. Yes, sir. And also, just a, just another quick tip for your callers. I, I, I try and call in every week. Now is the time to be putting your sod in the ground. So get that sod ordered. Um, yeah, I, I have people complain that, well, I put down sod now and it turned brown. It's like, Perfect. yeah, it went dormant. That's what it's supposed to do. So that's what, that's that what you want. It's what of... you want. It lowers lowers your water bill. And yep. what another thing people don't understand is the the grass coming from the farms right now has already been treated for the winter weed control. So mm -hmm. you don't have to do that this 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 year. All you're going to have to do is your po your post emergent in the spring. Yep. Yep. But <clears throat> got to remember that it's going to go dormant yeah. so you yeah. know it don't turn put brown. it down and go why isn't it green so that happens um yes, sir thanks thanks for taking my call i appreciate it thanks for the call john yeah this uh gets to be a, a real issue hang on a second let's go to the phone this is james james what can i help you with morning jeff uh I heard you uh, tree guys talking about crepe myrtles. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, being an old arborist myself, um, if the situation comes around where you need to reduce the size of a tree, there's a technique that the arborists use. It's called pollarding. Yes. Um, you can cut the tree back and then... Uh, Year after year, you can uh, trim the shoots off to uh, to a bud zone, and it'll live forever and ever. The, the French do that uh, on their trees, and they use those uh, stems that they cut off to to fire the bread ovens. It's been done for hundreds of years. It's called mm. bollardy, and that's one way to reduce the size without destroying the vigor and health of the tree. Well, I know that in some places they use the same technique, but what they do is they let the tree run up a tall shoot, cut that shoot off, the tree will put up a new one, and they take that shoot and it's like a telephone pole. Well, maybe that's a little long, but it becomes a great fence pole or a beam or something like that. So you get a tree that is constantly providing you this good material for building and construction. And you control the size of the tree. Um, that's how we should be doing the crate. Uh, we, should, we should not uh, be doing the crate murder to them. Yeah, I'll vote for that. Um, that's just... Uh, that people with chainsaws that really don't know what they're doing. Um, yeah. The reason I called was to mention the pollarding. 
and uh, yeah. ask you a question about the, I think they call it a Dacon radish. Yes. Um, I planted uh, 225 foot rows of that alpine. It's a Korean. Uh, it's a Korean radish. I, I don't think it gets quite as big as the Japanese, uh, and I haven't grown them like forever. Um, do as they grow on the ground, uh, do they need to be uh, covered with soil, or is that just uh, just keep them fertilized and watered, and that's it? Fertilized and watered. When they push out of the ground, that means they reach uh, difficult soil. The soil is too dense. You may have, uh, you know, compacted it. That's when they tell you that it's not going to dig any deeper. So you can probably pull the radish at that point if you want. Normally, the radish will continue to dig into good soft soil. James, I got to take a break for the news, folks. I'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Um, got a text here. There's something that's going on now that some of you are going to be like, well, what do I do about this? Those of you... who have um, asparagus growing, right? Probably real big bushy fronds right now. So what do you do with it? Right now, nothing, but get ready. As soon as we get a true freeze, the fronds coming up from that asparagus are going to freeze. They'll turn brown, they'll be ugly, and that is when you're going to trim them flush to the ground, all of them. You're going to cut all of those fronds flush, pick up the material, and you can compost it or trash it. You're going to have a bare asparagus bed because you cut everything flush. Weed it. There will be weeds in it because birds will come to eat the berries in the asparagus and they will give you gifts every once in a while. So go ahead, cut it flush, weed the bed, and then put about an inch thick layer of compost on top of the entire bed. That's it, you're done. Come spring, you'll start getting spears to appear and you can harvest those spears. So right now, all you have to worry about is pretty much nothing, nothing at all. You want cold weather to freeze those fronds so you cut them down you weed the bed because the fronds aren't in the way and put a layer of compost down. 
that will keep that bed happy and healthy for years and years. And the older, the older the plants are, the more asparagus you can harvest each season. So right now, just look at it. Once they freeze to the ground, that's when you got to get to work. Let's go to the phone. This is Robert. Robert, what can I help you at? Yes, um, I had heard about Texas stone hibiscus when they drop out of the leaves to leave the stalks because there's nutrients that would get sucked back down by gravity into the mother plant, so to speak. Is that legitimate? Not really. Um, okay. The, the, those, those stalks that are nasty now, they, uh, they're going to kind of be stripped of nutrients long before you're thinking about it. And they're going to kind of collapse on themselves. So they're not going to be able to move nutrient up or down. And they're not going to uh, get a benefit from leaving those on there. Okay. The only the only hassle you have is if you trim them, you want to make sure that they truly have dropped their leaves and are dormant. Because right. if you trim them, they can want to put on new growth, and we don't want that this time of the year. Right. So can you give me any kind of timing as to when to cut them, or just if they feel if they snap off in your hand, or. If, if you grab them and they snap off real easy, yeah, you can trim them. Otherwise, okay. usually around the first frost, they'll give up the ghost, and, and that's not a bad time at all to get them trimmed okay. up. All right, very good. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Yeah, folks, um, remember, our native hibiscus will come back. Tropical hibiscus will not. Tropical hibiscus will get killed in the freeze. What's the difference? Hmm. If it is a yellow blossom or an orange blossom, there's a very good chance that it is a tropical hibiscus. If it's red, it could still be a tropical hibiscus. And you're just going to have to figure out where you got it from. There, the native hibiscus, there's pinks and whites and reds. But I don't know of a yellow or an orange native hibiscus. They may be out there, but I haven't encountered one. Reds for sure. Texas star hibiscus is a real common one, and it's uh, beautiful and does very well here. Does very, very well here. So keep that in mind. We're um, we're a little. We're a little ways yet from really wanting to attack those, okay? Now, interesting argument here about crepe murder. It's still wrong, period. 
The argument is, is that if you don't crate murder the plant, it'll get too big. Well, if it's too big in the spot it's at, you pick the wrong plant. You don't decide, wow, I could take and have a 20-foot tree here. So you get yourself a Mexican sycamore that'll grow to 60 or 80 feet and keep trimming it. That's not how it works. Buy the plant that fits the location without having to be cut back constantly. That is not good for the plant. If you want to control the size, trim it properly. It is not proper to just hack off the branches at the height that you want. And you wind up with a plant that's just stick coming out of the ground. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Temperatures are so good today. I mean, this is want to be outside in the garden weather. You know, put on a sweatshirt, get some gloves, a hat, and away you go. This is this is good weather to be working in. And it is particularly good considering that there's pretty decent rain chances for Sunday and Monday. Now, they don't think it's going to be a lot of rain, but again, here in Texas, we don't turn down any rain. So this is this is our fall. From now till Friday, this is going to be absolutely lovely fall weather. What happens afterwards? Don't know. They haven't made their projections yet. They haven't forecast what we think they're going to get. Because even forecasting more than three days, they're not exactly throwing darts, okay? They're much more accurate than that. But to forecast a week, that gets to be really difficult to do. And it can be, you know, a, a, a rude surprise. Now, if you've got things to do, hey, this is going to be a good time to do it. This is going to be pleasant weather to be out working in the garden. How about we go to the phone? This is Roger. Roger, what can I help you with? Good morning. I yes, was sir. hoping you could uh, tell me somewhere I could get some Texas honey mesquite trees. Um, I have one. Uh, 
No, I'm sorry. I have a honey locust, not a honey mesquite. You will need to call around to the local tree farms. There's one in Marble Falls. Always forget the name of it. Somebody's going to text me and tell me. There's one in Marble Falls. There's a place called Ted's Trees. And um, check them to see if either one of them is carrying that mesquite. Now, I know at the Natural Gardener, we used to carry what was called a Chilean mesquite. Beautiful tree. I couldn't really tell you the difference in how it appeared between that and a honey mesquite. But um, you may have to call around to find one. I think you'll be successful. It's just a question of how far away they may be. You know, you may have to go to Marble Falls or, you know, that kind of distance to get one. And it'll be a question of how big a one. For example, Ted's trees will carry 300-gallon trees. And that's great if that's how big a tree you want. You just got to transport it. Very good. Thank you very much. Thanks for the call, Roger. Good luck finding one. Uh, yeah, folks, there are there are a lot of varieties of mesquite. The question becomes, which Backbone Valley Nursery? Thank you. I knew someone would be quick to to uh, send me that information. Um. Roger, that was Marble Falls, and the nursery is called Backbone Valley. Great selection of trees, and they would be a good place to start to try to find the one you're looking for. Um, What else have we got? Thank you, guys. I knew I would get quick answers. A question about knockout roses and oleanders. Okay. Knockout roses still do great here. Yes, there is a disease called rose rosette disease. Makes the roses look horrid and you wind up. You wind up with this horrid shrub that really won't produce anything worth roses-wise. But knockouts do good here. Knockouts are strong. I have knockouts that I swear died all the way to the ground after this summer heat. They're blooming. Just to, I think they do it just to spite me. They are blooming. I'm getting pretty red blooms out of them. There are other colors of knockouts. The other colors are a little rarer, but there are other colors of knockouts. As for oleanders, oleanders have an issue. There is a disease called xylella. I hope my Latin is close enough. 
and it is spread by leafhoppers. And there are leafhoppers and aphids that can eat oleander, suck juice out and be fine. So, that is an issue. There's no cure for xylella. It is, it is a risk with oleanders that if you get them and you install them, you may not get many years out of them before they get killed. The disease varies in intensity. Sometimes it seems like every place has it. And sometimes it's like, well, we haven't seen that in a little while. It's very irregular. But that is one of the issues with oleanders. Aside from the toxicity of the plant, this disease is kind of prevalent. It affects more than just um, oleanders. The xylella is really kind of nasty. But if you don't get it, if there doesn't seem to be a strain of it around you, the oleanders can do well here. Kind of your choice as to whether or not you want to deal with them. I'm not a fan because of the toxicity. Um, and I have a neighbor who has some and they look great. They did look great. They got attacked by the xylella. And now he has replaced them with, um, I think he replaced them with used. And they look good. They weren't damaged by the disease. But the xylella took out all the oleanders. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Need to break for the news at the top of the hour? I'll catch you on the other side. <laughs> 